Hey, welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Jackie and Megan. Where we like to talk about things that are messy, awkward, hard, or controversial and create a space for healing. I haven't recorded in a while. The last episode we posted, we recorded like two months ago. And that took us forever. Actually, Megan did all the editing and everything on that because she I was traveling and she also knew that I was just not having a great old time. So (laughs) it took me forever, but it got done. So if you missed it, we interviewed Maria on her relationship. and It was really good. And I feel like that's a good example of talking about relationships on the Internet. But there's lots of bad examples, aren't there? Yes um which that segue that was a great segue Megan you just really got to it you're like we're not messing around today we're just getting to the topic which I think a lot of times people appreciate they're like I don't need to hear about your life (laughs) um yeah well I want to hear about your life how are you doing you already do every single day (laughs) every day I give Megan (laughs) my daily up my like hourly update (laughs) she sends me pictures of her baby yeah, that's pretty just what my day is. <laughs> which Megan and I are not really friends anymore because she moved and took Cece away from me. Which, if you follow Megan on Instagram, she has the cutest baby ever. And um, I, I'm just really mad at her because Cece was born here. And then she moved <laughs> away from me. And so I only get to see Cece like every six months. So, yeah. But anyway. My bad. She didn't really, My she didn't really consult me on the decisions for her family. And I just feel yeah, like, really affected. Yeah. But uh, speaking of motherhood, that's yes. kind of Motherhood is another thing about. that people are very opinionated about. And it was funny because a while back we did like an Instagram poll on like, oh, different topics we should cover. And just like as kind of a joke, I put toxic mom culture because it was something that I was sort of. Now that I have a baby and like social media platforms, the algorithm knows it's going to recommend all these things to me. I was just getting inundated with all of this like very toxic mom content. And I was like, whoa. So kind of as a joke, I put it as one of the options and overwhelmingly people clicked on it. So I feel like it resonates with people that parenthood especially, but I think just like relationships and like stuff in general, the way discourse online mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just not super healthy. And it's something Jackie and I have talked about frequently, because a lot of like, influencers, when they talk about these topics, very much present as if their opinion is professional fact, just like the way it is works for everyone, like one size fits all. And a lot of way to do it things. Yeah, the things they're talking about are so like contextual. They're so different. They're so so many different variables that it's just you can't really talk about it in that way but people do and so I thought hey since clearly people resonate with it and they want to hear about it let's talk about it because that's what we do or even worse especially I've seen with um with motherhood is that they add this moral aspect to it so I mean one of the biggest things that we see um and Emily talked we had her on to talk about NFP so if you haven't also listened to our NFP episode but she talks a lot about like people act as if if you've had a C-section you're just less of a mother or you did something almost like morally wrong by having a C-section versus a natural birth um Emily Wilson 
who we have not had on the podcast, but you know, one day, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> and she, yeah, has also talked about this and how hard that was for her to accept that she, to save the life of her and her baby, had to have a C-section and that she just felt like less of a woman and less of a mother. And that just, yeah, so much of social media can be so toxic. And I almost feel like even if you haven't had a child, if you're at all on like, I don't know, Catholic or even just mom, like it, I think I feel like it tends to run even like the more like all natural, like whatever kind of circles. Crunchy. You can probably think of someone that's talked negatively about a C-section or certain aspects of motherhood, but I, that's what like comes to mind the most to me. Yeah, and I was thinking about it yesterday just in preparation for this episode because you and I have talked about when it comes to like dating, engagement, marriage, this definitely exists as well. But for some reason, it like hit me differently when it came to the parenthood and motherhood Mm. aspects of things. And I was like, why is that? So I was just kind of doing some soul searching. And I think like you were saying, there is like a level of guilting, but it's easier to brush off when it's just guilting about yourself and your own life choices. But when it's involving another person, not just another person, but your child who you are responsible for, if you're a Christian, like you believe like God has given me this child as a gift for me to steward. There's just like a much larger level of guilt that if you're doing this wrong, you're damaging like another person Not just like, oh, you're making a bad choice for your own life, which I can be like, whatever. Like, I don't care what you think of me. But when it comes to like something where I could be like very anxious and insecure already because I'm like, Mm -hmm. this is such a huge thing. And then when you're a new mom, especially you're navigating it for the first time, you're making mistakes because you're human, but you're like, well, I'm like doing permanent damage, you know? And so I think that's why, (laughs) yeah, it just hit like so much differently and it's a, it's a different vulnerability. Um, And so that's another reason why I think it was like affecting me more early on. Whereas a lot of times with the marriage and dating, I would just sort of be able to laugh it off. Um, And if you can't laugh it off, obviously that's not against you. You know, it is a hard thing to hear. But when it came to like my child, I was suddenly like, oh, am I doing this wrong? (laughs) Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I'm not even a mother and I get offended when I read those things, just knowing people that have had to do things maybe differently than this person on Instagram was portraying is the right way. And they had very valid reasons for doing that. Either like, oh, they couldn't breastfeed or they couldn't give and have a natural, like that, I shouldn't say natural, but a vaginal birth. Um, Mm -hmm. And I get offended because I just, I know how sensitive that can be, especially because so many women, when it comes to C-sections or some women have done like planned C-sections, if that's what they determine is the best thing. And I think that's fine too. But most women I know that have had to have gone through something like that, it wasn't really their choice. It wasn't their number one, like what they would have preferred. Um, because I guess, quote unquote, it's not like, I don't I don't like the Something clearly is like gone a little wrong if you have to have the C-section. But there's it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it, especially not morally wrong. Um, but it's just such a sensitive topic. And especially also when it's like it is something that saves the life of the mother and the baby, that there should be just no guilt at all associated with it. You shouldn't feel bad about it at all. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I just can't even, I feel upset when I see stuff like that. So I can't even imagine like being a mother that's had to go through something like that. 
Yeah. And, and especially for someone like me who had a birth plan, they were like really looking forward to and like yep. put a lot of thought into and nothing <laughs> went the way they wanted. <laughs> so like for me, I I really wanted to do the whole natural birth thing. I really wanted to birth vaginally. I that was not never something I was scared of. A lot of women are scared of it, which is totally fine, but for me, I was like that sounds so empowering. Like I'm really excited for that. I like it was really important to me to get that like immediate skin on skin contact and be able to like start breastfeeding her right after she's come out of me and like mm. delay clamping the cord and like all of these things that are typically more like crunchy or natural that like that was stuff I wanted not because I thought the other thing was bad it was just what I wanted like I saw that as like super beautiful and really wanted that and then to um, not go into labor have to be induced which is another thing people are like very like opinionated on like oh you should never like you should just trust your body my body wasn't going into labor and then I didn't want an epidural and to be pressured into an epidural and feeling guilty that I was like, oh, why did I do that? And then to yeah. end up needing a C-section, um, it was like really hard for me. Like I was already wrestling in the midst of postpartum. Like I'm trying to learn how to breastfeed. Everything hurts. <laughs> You're still healing. Your hormones and emotions are everywhere. Like there were just yeah. nights where I would just be like in bed, sitting there breastfeeding her crying to be wrestling through like this isn't what I wanted I really wanted that beautiful birth experience I didn't I was like the last person in the room to see my baby and hold my baby and that wasn't what I wanted to have people online talk about how that's bad and harmful to my baby oh yeah hitting that like sensitive spot and I think that's something maybe people should think about more when they do talk about these topics is remember that there are women out there who actually agree with you that like do think that is beautiful and love that and that wasn't something that happened for them and you could be sort of poking a wound that maybe you don't intend to hurt people but you are and even if that's not what a woman wanted like what you just said it's just not (laughs) I think what's most important is that you do all that you can to have a healthy mom and baby and most people going into their pregnancy no matter what happens or ends up going wrong like that is their number one goal (laughs) and also it's they're working with their medical professionals like and that doctor knows specifically like either in the moment or before whatever they plan what kind of pregnancy they're having what their past has been if they've had kids before and can determine what is best or just like mentally what the mother wants to have to go through like Maybe having a C-section is easier for them or better for them because of trauma they've gone through. I don't know. It's just to have someone on social media that doesn't know. And I think, and we touched on this in our social media episode, but that does not know your specific situation or your life. It's trying to speak into that, into something that is so sensitive and so personal and also just so like can be life or death, especially in the moment as to what happened is I think just super inappropriate. (laughs) And it's so hard yeah, to and like, I can, and I can that hear out. the pushback of, you know, people saying, well, I like I'm allowed to talk about this topic. I'm not coming out here and saying that, you know, your experience is wrong. The problem is the conversations aren't nuanced in that way. No. So if you come out with this like really strong statement of this is ideal, this is the best and you don't couch it in for certain circumstances or like for these things or whatever, 
people are well within their right to read that as you saying <laughs> blanket statement because it is a blanket statement so then for you to come back and be like oh well I wasn't meaning it in that way it's like but communication is a two-way street here if you're not communicating yeah. properly and people misunderstand like there is a responsibility on your part as well and yeah. I see a lot of dismissal of that sort of criticism from people because they're like oh that's not what I intended and while I can appreciate that because that is an aspect of communication intent, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I feel like personally, I would take that criticism and go, okay, well, how can I better communicate in the future so that my intent is understood if I'm truly not trying to communicate what people are getting out of this? <laughs> right. Especially if you have a bigger following and no one's perfect. And I look back at ways I've communicated things on Instagram and I'm, and I don't have a huge following or anything, but I think about that. I'm like, oh, I don't really think that was the best way to communicate that and I make changes moving forward and I'll keep making mistakes but it's like learning especially if you have a big platform and you are getting feedback from hundreds thousands of people even if it's less than that like tens of you know yeah it's to actually take that feedback but I think we see the same influencers or people doing the same thing over and over again with different topics <laughs> and then yeah throwing out there after they throw out this blanket statement and then people get upset or offended for good reason, saying, oh, that's not what I meant, though. That's not what I meant. So whatever. <laughs> and I I just, yeah, I just kind of wish people would think about that a little more and maybe make some changes in how they communicate things moving forward. And then as a viewer, I don't know, Megan, if you have any advice since you've been in that position as someone who was in a very vulnerable place, like maybe some steps that you took to kind of protect yourself or to cope with that? Yeah, I think one was identifying for me what are some pain points. So there are going to be aspects of parenting that are maybe more difficult for you or, you know, just because every baby is a person who and every person is different, there may be things that are a little more challenging or, or a little less challenging. And so just understanding what am I more sensitive about right now? And to give like a personal example, one was like sleep. So like a big thing with like social media mom stuff is baby sleep. Mm. And it was something I felt a ton of pressure about. Like I'm doing sleep wrong because Mm -hmm. my baby is not a good sleeper. She's not a good napper. She's not a good sleeping at night. She's not good at sleeping independently. She really wants like contact sleep only. And that was something that medical communities, social media communities are very opinionated on. Like there, and there's a lot of pressure to like train how your child sleeps. And this isn't like anything against sleep training because I do think that works for specific children. I think for certain children, it just doesn't work. But the way it's talked about is that there is this formula that if you do it in this right way, your child will sleep just fine. And -hmm. if you're struggling at all, it's because you're doing it wrong. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. there is a failing in you, like you are making these bad choices or you aren't doing this correctly. And you're ruining it. And there's like a a lot of like doomsday, like, oh, if you let your baby sleep in bed with you just once, like they'll be sleeping in bed with you and they're eight years old, you know? And there's just a lot of like, oh my gosh, if I make one mistake, like my baby's never going to sleep through the night and you're already like sleep deprived and like exhausted and drained. And so to see all this stuff saying like, oh, you're doing it wrong. You have to do it this way. And then in the comments, people are contradicting. No, you're supposed to do it this way. No, you're supposed to do it this way, which should just prove that 
there isn't one way. There's not one size fits all way to do baby sleep. I sleep different than you. I sleep different than my husband. Like every human sleeps differently and Mm -hmm. what helps you sleep can be different. Um, And so just identifying a pain point. So for me, I was super insecure about that I wasn't doing her sleep properly. So I just had to start blocking (laughs) accounts that hit that pain point and start following maybe people who I felt were more positive were more helpful because there were a lot of accounts I found that were very encouraging and very like, hey, if you know your four yeah. month old is waking up four times a night, that's actually developmentally normal and you're not doing anything mm-hmm. wrong and that's okay. And stuff mm-hmm. like that, that actually helped me understand like, okay, I'm not doing something wrong. This is normal and I don't need to feel like there's something to fix here. So that was like a pain point that I noticed that when I just adjusted the content I consumed, whether it was to cease consuming content or just to consume different content, that was really helpful. Um, and then in just in general, don't not looking at like comments and things, not joining like online communities, which is sad. It, huh. would, it would be lovely Gosh. if that was a, a yeah. resource that was helpful, um, but it's not one that I have found helpful. And then just understanding that like even medical advice has changed throughout the years (laughs) so the medical advice that like our parents and grandparents were given in terms of taking care of a child has changed like there was a time when formula was pushed more than breast milk and a time when you were told you had to have your baby sleep on their tummy and now Mm. you're told you have to have them sleep on their back and all this different stuff so Taking that into account, especially when people who are much older than you are trying to tell you how you're supposed to be doing something, Mm -hmm. that just even just our understanding of how to care for babies has changed so much that it's okay to sort of just like filter that yeah, (laughs) and realize like, I don't need to panic because I'm doing it one way and not the other way because this has changed throughout time and somehow we're all here and alive. So you know, it maybe is not the hugest, biggest of deals. So those were kind of two things that helped me. Um, And honestly, like early on in my postpartum, I just wasn't on social media because it's like, that's not going to be helpful for me right now. What I need right now is like to actually rest when I have the opportunity, not scrolling when I have the opportunity. Um, And so I would even just recommend if it's something that you're noticing push those pain points and kind of poke those wounds just take a break step back because I realized the people in my life who loved me and cared about me were much more encouraging and much more helpful than anything Mm -hmm. I was going to read online and a lot of times since they would know your situation specifically they'd be able to say hey I don't know if this is the best way or I don't know, maybe talking to someone that you actually hire to help you with sleep, if that's something that you felt like you needed to do, or your doctor or someone trusted in your life, you know, that also went through something similar, like another mom. That's usually what I would find to be the most helpful. Yeah. And I like that you mentioned- An example of that, an example of that is, so like breastfeeding is obviously another one where people are very opinionated on. Oh yeah. Um, There's a lot of pressure early on that you should breastfeed on demand, and not introduce any other sort of nipple-like product. So no pacifiers or binkies, no 
bottles, like nothing. You don't want to confuse the baby. You want them to be able to latch properly. And, and if you introduce these things too early on, like they won't, they won't breastfeed and they'll just stop breastfeeding and then whatever. And, and so I was very like anxious about that. But early on, like your baby is literally eating like every hour. I, it is exhausting. It is mentally and emotionally draining to just have this little person attached to you at all times. You feel like you can never have a break. It is very overwhelming. At least it was for me. And so at one point I just gave up at night and I was like, John, to my husband, I'm going to pump a little milk into a bottle and you're going to give her this bottle so yeah. that I can get an Sweet. hour of sleep and just an hour where I can like lay on my stomach yeah. and not be like near a person and mm-hmm. I felt so guilty I was like oh my gosh I've just ruined everything oh no and at like our one week appointment I like mentioned it to the pediatrician because I felt so bad I was like I think I've ruined it like I can't believe I did this and she was like please keep doing that She's like, that sounds like it is a really good solution to help you, one, with like your postpartum mental health, but also just like, it's okay for your baby to take a bottle. And she she was like, these people that are so obsessive about breastfeeding, she's like, it's not healthy. It's not good for your mental health. She's like, just don't listen to that. It is perfectly okay. You're not hurting your baby to give your baby a bottle once in a while, even early on. And like the immediate relief of like, okay. <laughs> That was when I was like, I need to stop looking online. Yeah, I was, yeah, I'm happy you mentioned maybe just like completely being off social media. I know people that the first year of motherhood or just, I saw this couple the first year of marriage. They just were like, you know what? We're going to get off social media because we're not going to compare our relationship or our marriage or the way that we do things to other people. And we're just going to focus on ourselves in like our first year of marriage. And I feel like that can be super helpful, especially if you're a new mom. Like you said, the hormones are crazy. You're so emotional. You just went through like giving birth, which sometimes for women can be a traumatic experience even. And even if it's not, it's a major experience that does (laughs) some damage to the body, no matter how you do it. (laughs) Um, And yeah, it could just be good to just completely log off, which can be hard because our... (laughs) our age, we're addicted to social media and we're addicted to hearing what people say and their approval and making, especially if you're a mom, it could even just be, you want to make sure you're doing things right. Yeah. Um, and if there's an influencer that you really look up to or trust, but then things like you said, Megan, didn't really go to plan or didn't work out in your head the way you thought they would, that can be really difficult. Yeah. So sometimes it's just good to completely, just completely remove yourself. And I know that I've done that in certain aspects. I'm not a mom. Um, I'm not married, but with dating or just different ways that I practice my faith, or if I find that someone's just not helpful, just unfollow them. It's okay. (laughs) Or mute them or just something because you just don't need to see it. It's not like the end of the world to mute someone or unfollow someone on social media if what they're saying is harmful or not helpful to you. Yeah. I would love to talk about like the dating aspect a little more because it's like I've been out of the dating game <laughs> for quite a while now. And and back when I was dating, I was like 19, was yeah. not active on social media at all, yeah. like <laughs> in college. So it's not something that I experienced as much. But like for you, this is very much more fresh. 
like what have you experienced when it comes to dating and the conversations around dating or what's presented (laughs) online um yeah could you just kind of talk about that experience I think one of the biggest things I noticed was that Catholics and Christians I mean I'm Catholic so I mostly just follow other Catholics um that's I do follow some Christian just dating sites too um more Protestant leaning but um I've noticed that one of the biggest things that really has irked me or like bothered me is this idea that there has to be an exact certain timeline in Mm -hmm. dating so some people will say it's six months like if you're dating intentionally as a Christian you should be able to know at six months and like be engaged at the six month mark from when you started dating some people I, I see I feel like what's the most popular that I've seen is when you start to go over a year of just dating people are like so what's going on like what are you doing why are you not engaged were you not intentionally dating were you not figuring out like if you could be married uh which I have found was so toxic and also just not even how a wide majority of like Christians, like both Protestants and Catholics outside of this world, I was kind of sucked in were even doing things. And I also found some of the influencers I really looked up to that maybe were already married. So I didn't really see them in their dating or they had been gotten married a while ago, like would message me or say, Hey, I dated someone for two years and then got engaged. And it wasn't because we did anything wrong or we were less Christian. It's just like, financially like circumstances like just different things like we just were not ready to get engaged yet or yeah um and that was almost shocking to me because I was like oh I just assumed that you now as this big catholic or protestant influencer were someone that got engaged in six months to a year um especially if I felt like they got married younger um or they went to a christian college (laughs) And no, they're like, no, we actually got married. I think it was three years we'd been together or other people had been longer because of actual like circumstances. Uh, And then they they start to make you feel wrong. Something is wrong if maybe you dated somebody for a year and then things didn't work out. Like, oh, you did something wrong. Like you should have known. And then I would find people like Maria uh, that we interviewed, talked about how she dated someone for almost three years, I think, and then it didn't work out. And then her story is really cool. So I don't know how to emphasize if you haven't you should go listen to her story and she kind of talked about some of this like some of the pressure she got married older yeah. I don't even want to say older because she was 30 which now that I'm I'm gonna be 27 in like three days um and I'm newly single like out of a dating relationship that lasted a year and there was a part of me that felt this guilt of like I did something wrong by dating this person for a whole year and not like figuring out before then that maybe it wasn't right or like I I don't know. There's just so much of this pressure to figure things out immediately and then like break up or you should be engaged by like six months or a year. And I felt a lot of that pressure from social media. And then when I took a step back or from like my small circle that I was seeing um, people that went to, I went to Franciscan super Catholic college that I feel like kind of did things that way or in my like young adult circle now, um, you see the majority of people like getting engaged within exactly a year and then getting married and you can feel like you just, yeah, did something totally wrong. And then I started to kind of widen the people I was talking to or people, like I said, would reach out and say, no, this is how we did things and that's okay. And they were really people that were very invested and committed to their faith. So the timeline thing has been something that was really hard for me. And then also just... I guess like age, um, which there are a lot of 
Catholic, really big Catholic speakers like Leah Darrow, um, Jackie Francois, or now Jackie Angel, who she, um, they got married when they were 30, 33. So I feel a little bit less pressure and they've come out and talked about this. And I'm very thankful for their voices because they're kind of breaking that stereotype of like, if you're a young committed Christian in your faith, and I've seen this in both Catholic and Protestant circles, like you should be married right out of college, or you should have found someone in college, or you should be married by 25 and having babies. And that's just not the story that my life has taken. And it's especially painful if you're going through a breakup and you're like, that's like all that I want. I'm not trying to not get married. (laughs) I'm not trying to not like to wait or put my career ahead of things. Um, that's, that's something that I also see is they just assume if there's women that are older that we've intentionally put off marriage or intentionally have put our career ahead of like finding someone and getting married. And it's just not true. And I also don't think it necessarily means that you did anything wrong. I think God has a different plan for everyone and this just intense pressure that you have to be married by 23, 25, like whatever it is, is just kind of ridiculous. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm really thankful for voices like Maria, which who is running myself together on Instagram, her handle or like, yeah, bigger names like Jackie Francois, Jackie Angel or Leah Darrow. Uh, but even seeing those people, it just cuts so hard when you just hear the opposite because yeah, like you said, kind of like hitting a wound, like it just cuts at that wound so hard. <laughs> um, and not even to say there's maybe even something wrong if you did put your career ahead of getting married. I don't, you know, I think that's a controversial topic as well. It's not something that I've done. I've never been someone that's like my career first. I'm going to put off getting married. Um, But I know I have some friends that are like in medical school or were becoming doctors and they felt very called by God to pursue those things. And so then maybe they had less time to invest in dating or, and I don't even, I mean, I wouldn't know what their discernment is with God or what God has had planned for them. I don't know, but I don't even think necessarily they did something wrong, which a lot of people would disagree with me on that. A lot of people, because they think that women just first need to be mothers and should be (laughs) having babies or mothering in some way. I don't know. Yeah. Trying to have babies. (laughs) So those are two of the biggest things that have but really, really hard to deal with um, on social media as a Catholic, especially someone that really wants to get married and it just hasn't worked out. You haven't found the right person and you can't force that to happen. <laughs> you can't just settle. <laughs> That's also not something that you want to do is just settle for the first Catholic guy that you find because you think you need to get married and have babies when you don't feel any kind of like calling or attraction or anything with them. Um which I've seen women do because they just think like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. Reminds me a while back, our episode on like vocation. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of this, what it comes down to is sort of assuming that God has the same vocation for everyone. The same timeline for everyone too. Exactly. And that's not true. And I, you and I have talked about this too, and it comes to like stay-at-home moms and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. People sort of have this idea, or the way they talk about it is like God has one way 
that he wants us to do it and he sort of just puts up with the other way like god wants mm-hmm. all women to get married young and all moms to stay yes. home with their babies and whatever and he'll like put up with or like bear with us being silly and like choosing other options when in reality i think god very much calls individuals on individual journeys yeah. and obviously there you know truth isn't subjective like there are objective wrong things yes but when it comes down to so many of these topics like when to get married or how long you should date someone it's so incredibly dependent on individuals on people on you and your specific relationship and so many factors like did you know each other before you started dating like are you like getting to know the person or were you like lifelong friends and now you started dating like those two journeys are gonna look so different very different and we can't take our own experience and say well clearly I did it right yeah things worked out for me so this must be God's plan for everyone else and I'm going to help you by telling you what God's plan for your life is yeah and that's just not as Christians how we should be interacting with people we should Mm -hmm. be encouraging people and like for me looking at you I shouldn't be like well Jackie I got married at 21 so the fact that you have it means that like you've made mistakes and you've made poor choices when in reality God's plan for your life could mean that you're getting married at 28 29 and it would be wrong for you to force it with someone younger just because you're like I should be married already (laughs) and not following God's plan so I think there's almost like a danger there as well when we like over spiritualize these topics too because we're like sort of taking the place of God like I know what your calling is and how you're supposed to live that out yeah and I'm like here to tell you yeah and uh, yeah as you were saying that something I found super unhelpful and I'm not going to say the name of this person but recently I was listening to this podcast of a husband and a wife and they got married younger like around 2022 I don't really I don't know how old it was but it was definitely before 25 and before 23 I think and I think someone asked like advice for if you're a single woman like advice to find a good Catholic husband because that's what every Catholic girl is trying to find out there and the woman basically was just like well you know there's two separate like sets of like oh women that really are trying to find a husband and like just haven't been able to um, and then, so she was kind of like nuancing and then there's women that just put their career ahead of things and don't start thinking about marriage until they're, you know, 25, which God forbid, you're still so young at 25, but she's like, and I just, you know, as you get older, it just gets harder and harder to find, like, you have to like secure your realty. That was the phrase that she used. You have to secure your realty. Like, you know, it just gets harder and harder to find the right person. And as someone who at the time I I was still dating someone, but like hadn't been married, hadn't whatever. And it just like, oh, like my stomach just dropped. Like it made me feel so sick because I thought like, I just I did something wrong or if things don't work out with this person, like I'm never going to find anybody like it's hopeless. And that's been one of the hardest things like I've been struggling with as someone newly single is like, I am never going to find somebody because I didn't get married early enough or I must have done something wrong. And there's just no one out there for me now. Um, and this was me at 26, like I'm almost just 27. And yeah, just hearing that was so awful to hear. Um, and I hear a lot of married people also who got married young, go on their Instagram stories and be like, oh yeah, the dating world's horrible. Like I feel so bad for all you single people out in the world, like trying to date, like that's their literally their advice. You're like, okay, thank you so much for letting me know someone that's been actively dating for, I don't know how many years, like I know 
that dating is really hard right now. <laughs> and thank you for making it feel completely hopeless. <laughs> and that's also just awful things to hear. And if you're someone that's was married young and is saying things like this, either on social media or to people, like, please stop. <laughs> I don't know how to say like how harmful and how hard it is to hear that, especially to young women that are just, that are single or, oh my gosh, especially like as someone that was, you know, going through a breakup at the time, very freshly, it was just so awful to hear and just so not helpful. And also it just evokes feelings of like that hopelessness and that like trying to grasp for control, which is so not from God, that is so from the devil, that mindset of that hopelessness, that like God has no plan for me. I'm going to be miserable for the rest of my life. Yeah. I just, that's just so not even from God, the feelings that that invokes. And I, yeah. And just to, like to the phrase, like, I don't want to say secure your realty, but to think of like a man <laughs> as realty that you need to go and secure as if you have control over totally over your vocation and what timeline you're going to meet somebody. And of course you shouldn't be like sitting at home expecting your future husband to just literally just walk into your house and be like, oh, hey, you know, but most I can guarantee you that most young women that want to get married are not doing that. They are putting themselves out there. They are trying to date. They are putting themselves in the situations where they would meet young Christian men. And it's just not the right time yet. Or just, I don't know. I don't know what God has planned for each individual person. Yeah. Um, but that is just so unhelpful. <laughs> and that's been one of the harm most harmful things I've seen recently that I maybe I'm just noticing now because it's my heart is so sensitive um, of seeing things like that. So that is not, yeah, not the way to go about things. And I did have to just like mute some people or unfollow some people. Um, and I think that's okay. Like, you just you need yeah, what have to, you found to be like helpful you, your peace yeah get rid of it <laughs> yeah what have you found to be helpful when it comes to you know both like when you're in a relationship with someone and feeling that pressure of like what that relationship is supposed to look like or how it's supposed to go but then also like when you're single and you're not in a relationship but wanting to be in one and feeling that pressure as well how do you how have you navigated that in a way that's like been helpful I think it's similar to what you said about your situation with motherhood was limiting the voices that I heard on social media and only reading the voices that were encouraging. And I felt like brought me peace or were positive things. Um, so I think I mentioned like Jackie Francois or Leah Darrow, like just voices that were so encouraging and just made me feel like have hope, which is ultimately I know what God wants. So I knew that those were doing good things for my spiritual life and for me. And when it came to like the timeline of like, maybe if I, when I was in a relationship was focusing on the people that actually knew me in real life and asking them for advice. Like I would be very open with Megan and one of my other friends. And I was like, okay, they actually know me and the situation and the person that I'm dating. And if they don't think anything is wrong, these people that I really trust and actually know my specific situation and know me and my heart. And like, I can really open up to and be vulnerable with then I would take that advice over someone on social media that doesn't even know who I am. That's writing a caption or yeah, giving very just advice. That's not nuanced at all. Um, that's the voices that I'm going to listen to. So I focused more on the people that knew me in real life, knew my situation, you know, my spiritual director, that was a big help, um, seeking counsel in real life and then kind of blocking out the voices of people that just were not helpful and like I said, I had someone reach out to me um, on social media that was like, don't even worry. Me and my husband, we got married. It was the day we got married. We've been together for three years. So we didn't get engaged until two years in. And yeah, because at the time, I think I was expressing my 
my concern over people saying you that you need to be engaged or have it figured out by six months to a year. And I just was not in that place yet. And I should not have been in that relationship. It was not, you know, the right, right relationship for me. And I shouldn't have tried to force something at that time. I knew in my prayer (laughs) and what God was saying to me that it was not a step that I should be taking. Um, And I felt like when I talked to people in real life about it, they also were like, yeah, I think it's totally fine for you to take another year to like figure things out or yeah. And now as someone that's single, I think it's, I know I found the safe voices for me that I know are going to speak like hope and peace into my life um, and focusing on that. And I've unfollowed people that it's very triggering to follow on social media, um, which I think sometimes we can find that that's, I don't know for why that can be hard to do sometimes. <laughs> It can feel like personal on following somebody, but it's really just not or muting them. Like just it's it's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think similar to what yeah. you said, like muting out the voices that are not helpful or even completely avoiding social media when you don't need to, and then focusing more on real life and like people that actually know you. It reminds me of this like <laughs> like I think it was like a QA live stream of a rather large couple on youtube Hmm. you're probably gonna know who this is when i start talking about this but they were like answering questions about their relationship and then giving like their opinions and advice and one of the questions was like oh when did you meet like basically like the timeline of like and they i think they were saying they got engaged after like four months or something it was like really fast um and they were saying like oh if you don't know by four months if this is someone you want to marry like why would you even stay with them like don't waste your time or whatever which could totally not be helpful for someone and I remember another question was then submitted like okay but like is four months long enough to know if this person is even like the right person to marry like what if they're abusive and like now you're married to them like is that really something to rush into and they were like the chances of that are so low like you know, oh, if that happens no. to a few people, like for most people, it won't happen to. And I remember just listening and being like, oh my, like this is dangerous. Like this is really dangerous. This idea you're putting forward, one, guilting people that four months in, if they don't feel like they quite know the person yet, which how many people do you know after four months? You're like, I know everything about you. <laughs> and I'm not saying you have to know oh everything goodness. about someone to marry them, yeah. but I feel like it's incredibly dangerous to put this idea forward that if you don't completely feel ready to be married after four months that you should just force that or push for that and like if you're one of the unlucky ones that's abused like sorry for you is such like a harmful thing and I remember you and I talking about it because we were like whoa that's not good (laughs) oh my gosh actually in this moment that I did not even remember us talking about that. I think we did, but wow, that is just, I don't think you even presented it to me exactly that context. That is so bad. (laughs) And that's the issue with blanket advice because do I know couples that maybe got married at three months or four months and like maybe God was truly calling them to that. Maybe he really was. And I've seen it work out. They've been married for years and I don't even know the details of their marriage. So who knows, like things maybe they had to work through because they didn't wait longer or maybe it was great and exactly what god wanted okay fine i'm not gonna judge somebody on social media exactly if that i'm a, i'm gonna be a little concerned but i i'm like i don't know them i don't know their prayer journey that's fine <laughs> but the wide majority of people i that i didn't even know in real life whoa like that's 
And what's so scary is one of my new fears that's been unlocked because I've seen it happen more now that I have, as I get older and people have been married longer, is seeing couples where that legitimately has happened, where they married someone um, and maybe they even dated longer than four months, but they married someone very quickly um, or they married them very young, which you got married young. So, you know, it's not like, oh, you can't get married young. It's going to be terrible. But then they found out that the person they married was not at all who they thought they were. And they felt like they got married. Now look, they're like, yeah, I did get married too soon because I felt this pressure to like get married. And oh, like, yeah, making that blanket statement that every single person at four months, that is just insane. And even acknowledging that for some people that would be really bad, but you're not going to back down on that advice was what was really crazy to me. (laughs) And the saddest thing is so many young Christian women are going to see that and and just take that as like, that is biblical truth and what I need to do. And that is just, yikes. (laughs) I don't know. I, yeah, that is so harmful. And I've seen, yeah, I've seen advice like that. I remember in college, I was a freshman in college and I remembered one of my bosses that, uh, one of my like many little college jobs, I heard him say like, yeah, you should know by six months. If you don't like, no, it's not going to work out. And that stuck with me. And I remember bringing that up later to my spiritual director when I was in a serious relationship and hitting the six month mark. And she just looked at me and was like, no, <laughs> like that is just not, I think you can Arbitrary is just assigning numbers, like an experience that can be so different. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah some like people so do different circumstances. Like, yeah, if you knew someone before, then I feel like you can totally know. I feel like, I feel like you can know. I'm not going to judge someone if they do get engaged to six months, because I feel like who am I to say? I feel like you really can know, especially if you're on the same page with everything and just, I don't know, there's different circumstances, but I think your age <laughs> matters. I think if you live close to each other or just like, yeah, how often you get to see each other, like there's just all these different circumstances. Um, and then maybe you even do know at six months, but it's just not time to get engaged yet and you date longer. Like, or you know, but the person you're with doesn't. Like, there's two need more time. Here. Yeah. Like I remember when my husband and I were dating and we hit the six month part, he very much knew. He was like, this is the girl I want to marry. And praise God he didn't tell me because that would have totally freaked me out. Because at that time, I didn't know. I was very much just like, I still need time to like think and grow. I'm still young, like whatever. How old were you? Um, At that point, 20. Yeah. You were like a little baby. <laughs> yeah, a little little baby. Um but he could he could discern that I needed the time to, you know, yeah. actually have the relationship grow and blossom before springing that on me. And so it's funny he actually like wrote on his phone in the notes app and he like disguised it like in another note, but he wrote in there like this is the day and like Megan, this is the day I decided like I want to marry you or whatever. And he didn't show it to me until like years later. But so he knew it, yeah. the six month mark, but I very much didn't. And for him to like put that on me with like, well, we've reached six months and I know I want to marry you. So like, do you want to marry me? And to put that pressure on me would have been very cruel <laughs> because it would have like been very difficult and hard. Um, And then to, like add the guilt of like, well, if you don't know, like what's wrong with you? Like you obviously don't care for me and like things like that. Um. Or you're not praying well. It's just important to remember, like, (laughs) you can't force the other person to feel ready either. Yeah. I think 
something that really stuck out to me and as we've been talking um has just been coming to me was our interview with Maria who <laughs> we keep mentioning it a bit but it was like it was just so good when it comes to talking about dating and her saying that she realized in dating just how little control she actually just had over when she was to actually get married or meet the right person and how her trying to force it to work with someone like it just didn't it didn't work and then she was able to meet someone um and I think that they actually did get engaged in six months but like she was like it just very much like felt like what God wanted and like she's like it's not something that I forced to happen or like it just happened um and her previous relationship you know they dated I think three years and then they didn't end up getting engaged and she even said like I don't regret that three-year relationship whereas some people we would say you did something wrong she's like no I learned so much and it prepared me so much for when I did meet my future husband and then we got engaged in six months because I just you know knew what I wanted and I was older and I could just you know that was what was right and what God was calling us to um so everyone's story looks so different (laughs) and yeah, I think these, yeah, like, oh, you're doing this wrong or this, it just brings up a lot of regret. And also I think it just takes away from how much like the sovereignty of God and how much, even if you, maybe you do make a mistake, like how much he can still use all of that for the good and bring you to your vocation or whatever he has planned for you. And yeah, just like how little control we really do have, because I feel like saying like, well, you should have been married by 25 or you should have this, or it's like, well, did you want me to just grasp and like, man like hold on to my life like this or I was just gonna make that happen no matter what and I was just gonna like make this person marry me or make this work or no (laughs) and I don't think that's what God wanted me to do so I think it it almost takes away from say like this is the timeline things have to go it kind of yeah it's trying to put you in the driver's seat and not God um and I I don't, one of the most relieving things to me when it comes to all of this is just listening to people they are like, yeah, you don't really have control and you can take these positive steps and put yourself out there, but just like keep trusting in God. And that's really all you can do. Uh, you don't need to be anxious or grasping or think I should have done this or this timeline. It's just not helpful. <laughs> and I think you can add, you can apply that to a lot of different aspects of things like motherhood or pregnancy, all of that too just as we're talking and as you and I have had these conversations it is such a good reminder to me of the the type of advice and speech that I want to give people right um, yeah that isn't like discouraging that isn't overgeneralizing um and something that I think is really important is like instead of trying to fit people into cookie cutter like this is how things are supposed to work we should be like encouraging and pushing people in our life towards god Mm -hmm. and so if someone is questioning like their dating relationship instead of telling them well you know here's a bullet list of like things that should be going on and if it doesn't line up then it's wrong instead we should be like asking them how's your prayer life like what can I do to encourage you and push you towards you know God what can I do to help you quiet your soul and give space for the Holy Spirit and what he's telling you you know how can I pray for you in this like at the end of the day God is the one who has this calling on your life 
And he is the one guiding your steps and leading you towards this vocation. And for me to say in some way that you could ruin that, you know, or go on a different path. Instead, I should be saying like, I, since this is God's plan for you, I should be encouraging and pushing you more towards the Lord. And yeah. so even just looking at your own life and the kind of advice that you are putting out there, are you encouraging people to be closer to God or closer to, in a way, legalism, like a set of rules and guidelines yeah. that are man-made and like set up by us? <laughs> or are you pushing them towards, you know, following the Holy Spirit and being more aligned and mm. abiding with God in their own life? Yeah. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking of when I've done spiritual direction, that's basically how they train. Like in the Catholic world, we have what, I don't know what they would call it, maybe a mentor, but they, spiritual direction and they train them. There's like different trainings and almost every training, it's very specific that like the spiritual director is not going to tell the person what to do. What they're going to do is like point things out that they hear. But the main thing is like, you need to be rooted in prayer. And they're basically just encouraging your relationship with God and helping you to hear the voice of God or listening to you and saying, well, maybe God could be saying this or like asking questions. It's like just really helping to encourage and deepen their relationship with God and hearing God. So you can know what God is asking you to do or where he's leading you. And I think, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that I didn't have a huge platform when I was younger or because I think I very much could have been one of those people, like not, so not to point the finger, but I think especially when I was younger and fresh out of Franciscan, I thought like, this is the way things should go. I could have been someone that was speaking out on social media, like very specific ways that things needed to go. And you kind of learn as life goes on. Oh, and a lot of times it's just life happening to you and growing in a relationship with God. Like, oh, this is just not always how things go. It's not how things have to go as you mature. And I, yeah, I like that you mentioned that it can make, you know, we're saying like, oh, people are doing this or that. Like, I, I need to think myself about how when I speak to people in my own life, like, am I putting on them my expectations or what I think is right, what I've learned is right. Um, especially when it comes to things that there's no, like just objective biblical teaching on, you know, these are things that are more subjective. Um, yeah, it's just kind of like taking a pause and thinking, well, what am I saying to people or how, what kind of, kind of advice am I giving? Cause I know that I've probably been guilty of, especially when I was younger, giving people advice that was not great or was, like influenced by this cookie cutter way that I thought things should go. I was even thinking when you were talking about um, like people talking about, oh, you know, the dating, so sorry for all of you. Like it's so hard out there. And not that I can like know their intention, but I could see where that could come from like an innocent place of like, yeah. oh, I'm like commiserating with you. I'm like, you know, letting you know that I see you and I see how yeah, hard it yeah, is yeah. or whatever. But like you were saying, that's not helpful. It's not encouraging. It's very discouraging. It's like, I already know it's hard. You don't need to point that out to me, especially when that's not something they're personally going through. And so that's good for someone like me to hear who I'm not dating, but I could very easily be like, how do I commiserate with someone who's dating? Well, I could tell them like, I know how hard it is. And to know mm. like, oh, that's not helpful. It's like a good thing for me to like put in that like bank of like things that I know even if I feel like or think like that could be encouraging. Like if it's not encouraging, 
it doesn't matter if I think it is. I shouldn't say it. Like I shouldn't put that out there as something that I'm trying to be encouraging, but not. And so even just like being open and willing to learn, right. like yeah, when something maybe is well intended, having people in your life say like, hey, actually that wasn't super helpful. Be like, oh, okay. I'm going to change how I interact and respond then. Yeah. And I think thinking of like the specific phrase, I think there was kind of like no way to even, maybe that was their intention, but I think the phrase was, and if you're a single girl on Catholic Instagram or like not married yet, whatever, and you've heard this, it was like, we got the last chopper out of Nam, the date, like that they dated was like the phrase that they used. So it very much was like, we made it. And we found someone so sorry for you that are still out on the battleground, like rough, sorry. Like there was just no encouragement. There was no hope. There was no even like saying, hey, yeah, because there's a way to go about it. like that's really, really hard. But like God is with you and like just trust him. Like there was none of that. It was like we're up here, these great married people and we've made it. And so sorry for you. Things are so rough. <laughs> like we're up here, literally, quite literally, we're up here in this plane above all of you was literally the phrasing that they used and all of you down there were just like watching like oh mm, yeah that sucks <laughs> and I yeah that just was not and I've seen multiple people say that and I don't I think and I think it's because they're not in that situation that they just don't realize how harmful it is and like we've all been there where we've said things that we don't realize because we're not in that situation we don't realize like how hurtful like it's not funny <laughs> and maybe that's what they think like oh ah. um and it maybe that's not even how they meant it to come off. But yeah, it's like if you're not in that situation, we can all speak insensitively because we don't have those same wounds or the same struggles. So we don't realize like what we're saying is so hurtful. Um, and maybe to some people it wouldn't have been that hurtful. But I know multiple women that that, yeah, that phrase does not sit well. <laughs> uh, and it's not encouraging at all. So I think, yeah, I think like, it's yeah, such we a good all, reminder. Like, yeah. If we are someone who wants to speak into other people's lives and feel called yeah. to, you know, talk to people and, and even talk about these topics, we have to also have the softness of heart and the humility to receive when it is not serving people right? and change how we go about things instead of being overly defensive and upset. Um, and so that's something I can grow in, something we can all grow in. But I think it's such a good reminder with these topics that are a little more personal, complex, that we can all grow in how we go about discussing yeah. them. Yeah. I think, yeah, we only touched on a few, which I think is, I think it's good for this episode, but there yeah, was I mean, so we can many... rant about all the things we've seen, like heard. And... There were so many other things where I think we did touch on this. Like we talked about NFP and people saying, well, you need to have kids like this or, oh, that's a huge one where people put those expectations on others. Kids. But we, our whole episode on NFP, we kind of, I think we kind of touched on that a little bit. Um, but yeah, so many different things or especially in the Catholic world, like, well, you need to go to a mass like this or this, like, there's just so many different things that we could do an entire episode on talking about, <laughs> but I don't know. Megan, what do you think is the takeaway message of this episode? I think, um, so someone that both Jackie and I really enjoy is Dr. Gavin Ortland. He has a YouTube channel, a podcast, mm -hmm. he writes books, but a topic that he talks about frequently is triage. 
So mm-hmm. understanding where issues land on not level of importance, because these issues are all important, but just where they land in like the Christian life. Is it dogmatic? Like in order to actually be considered a Christian, you have to like believe in the Trinity (laughs) or is it more of a second tier or third tier issue where we can still be in communion with each other, but also like disagree. So like Jackie and I disagree on baptism. That would be more like a second tier issue. Like we can't go to the same church, but we can still recognize salvation in each other. And I think when it comes to these topics it's so important to triage and understand like there are objectively harmful things you shouldn't date an abuser (laughs) you shouldn't yeah you know (laughs) do something harmful to your child like there are objectively things that are just like black and white yes they're good and bad and then they're just they trickle down to these other tiers where they're still important issues but are so grounded in the context that we have to dive into those particulars and we have to understand where they affect individual people. And so it's maybe just an exercise to consider in your own life, like what are issues that are more second or third tier when it comes to dating or parenting, where maybe there's a right or wrong way for specific people, but is it right or wrong in the same way that like not hurting someone (laughs) would be right or wrong? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that's just something that's been helpful in my life, listening to him, Dr. Orland, talk about like triage and his is more in terms of like theology, theological Uh triage. But I think there's just so many areas in our life where we can do that triage and understand what issues, what are hills to die on, which is another like book he's written. You know, what's a hill where I'm like, no, this is a right or wrong. Like, you know, don't be with someone who hurts you or okay, the whole timeline thing, that's a lower level issue where there's a lot more complexity and a lot more room for you to have a different experience than me. So that's sort of what my takeaway would be. Yeah. And I think limit people on social media or completely cut them off that don't bring you peace. You don't have to follow them and you don't have to listen to them. And it is usually much better to focus on trusted individuals in your life like those few people that really you trust and you know and will give you good sound advice and can actually speak the voice of god into your life and maybe you have found someone on social media that does that because i have um i really like emily wilson i feel like she is someone that like i've messaged with her privately but she's not someone that maybe specifically knows my situation but she's a voice i find really encouraging and helpful so it's kind of like finding that and if it means completely ignoring social media that's totally fine and maybe is even healthier. So, (laughs) well, we would love to know your guys' thoughts. So if you're not following us on Instagram, you should definitely follow us on Instagram because we interact with you there. Um, But otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Yeah. And um, our next episode, stay tuned because I don't think we even know what it's going to be, but we're going to talk about something. We'll talk about it. (laughs) So there's something burning for us to talk about. Let us know. Let us know.